Thank you for downloading this sermon from Trinity Presbyterian Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. For more information about Trinity, visit our website at www.trinityspartanburg.com. All right, let's turn to Colossians 3, verse 20 and 21. Hey, Claudio. It's good to see you. All right, Colossians 3, 20 and 21. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Children. You got any children's here? Children, be obedient to your parents. In all things. For this is well pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would feed us again this evening on your word, that you would build up our children in their faith, their faith for obedience. And Father, you would build up our fathers in faith to discipline and to build up their children. Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. So in this section of Scripture, like all sections of Scripture, Uh, We're being taught how to live as as those who have been chosen by God. Uh, Verses 12 through 17, if you look further up, are addressed to all of us, right? So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father." Okay, so that's like general directions for Christians, right? And then our passage, uh, verse 18 through um, verse 1 of chapter 4, are then addressed to specific subgroups in the church, right? There are some directives, the Ten Commandments clearly apply to all of us, right? But then there are others that are addressed to to, uh, different groups, subsets in the church, Right, so verses 18 through chapter, um, of eight, uh, chapter 3 up to 1. It goes, Wives, be subject to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. And then we get the verses that we read. And then at 22, it addresses slaves. And then in 4, it addresses masters of slaves. Right? Uh, the authorities over them. And so... Uh, So we're in the midst of those specific uh, commands, and I wanted to give some time 
to thinking about what fathers should be and what children should be, and because I'm a father and I have children. Sometimes you, uh, when you get in the pulpit, you preach to yourself uh, first and foremost, and you hope someone else gets something out of it too. So, for, so children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. I mean, what is there to say about such a simple command? I mean, I don't have to interpret this for you. There's no trouble in the Greek, right, that I could, you know, um, wax eloquent about. Children, what are you to do? Obey your parents. You are to be obedient to your parents, to your mother and your father. When? all things, which is all the time, right? In all things. And why? Why should you obey? It's well-pleasing to God. Think about that. When you obey your parents, it's well-pleasing to God. God looks down upon your, your submission to sinful parents. And he says, well done. He is well pleased with you. When was the other time? I mean, what, what verses come to mind when, that, when I use that word well pleased? Uh, at, yeah, the spirit descending on Jesus and, and God saying with you, I am well pleased. Why was that? Because Jesus was doing his father's will. He was obeying his father. But there it is in a nutshell. You're to obey your parents. That's your mother and your father. You're to do it in all things, so all the time, and you're to do it because it's well-pleasing to God. That's very simple. But let's go back through and think about this. Children, you are to be obedient to your mother and your father, right? Mothers uh, do not receive a specific exhortation in our passage as fathers do in the next verse, but verse 20, which we are now considering does include mothers, right? Children, be obedient to your parents. Now, I, now I recall that um, there are times, you know, in every household when you prefer one parent to the other. And you go to the parent that is the pushover, right? And you avoid the parent that is not that is uh, the disciplinarian, that is uh, more, uh, how shall I put it, uh, I'll just say less of a pushover, okay? If we wanted something or if we wanted to do something, uh, you know, I, I'll go and ask mom because she's far more likely to let me do that thing and I'll avoid going to dad. Or In some houses, it's exactly the opposite. You go to dad and dad's like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, you can light that on fire. That's no biggie. Um, but the mother would be, uh, no, no, you may not even think about doing that, children. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it's, that's generally the case when our children are very young. Um, it's a generalization, so it doesn't hold true in every circumstance. But um, certainly as fathers become more and more uh, incapable of discipline, these roles will get turned on their heads. But 
in general, mothers spend much more time with the children than do the fathers, okay? In, in a biblically ordered household, I think that will be the case. If it is set up in a biblical fashion with the father as the primary provider and the mother as the primary nurturer of the blessed uh, fruit God has provided through the marriage union, Right? Can I get an amen on that, or is that, like, controversial? It, it is controversial, I see. Well, in a, I'll say it again, then. In a biblically ordered household, the man should be the primary breadwinner, and w- women should be the primary nurturer of the fruit of that marital union. Okay, thank you. Man, I was just about to walk out of here. Um, because mothers spend much more time with their children, the children get more comfortable, perhaps too comfortable, around their mothers. This is especially true when you are homeschooling your children. Right? You've, you've heard it said that familiarity breeds contempt. When our sons and daughters are constantly with their mother, they have a tendency to run over their mothers, especially, especially our sons, our sons, especially when they start getting older and they want their freedom and they want to break away from their moms. Uh, I think that's true. Uh, Children, honor and obey your mother. You are to honor and obey your mother. Um, The passage we're looking at only speaks of obedience, but I'm adding honor there because we we have to honor the ones whom we are going to obey. We have to have some sort of respect for them. We don't obey those we don't respect. Right? And, or we're tempted not to, even though they may have a rightful authority over us. And these children, your mothers, have authority over you. Honor and obey them. If, you, um, if you're a girl, the moment you go through, grow up and get married and go through labor pains, you will begin to understand just exactly what your mother went through for you. Right? That difficulty, that pain for you. Children, think about how your mother lives for you. I mean, my wife still packs all of our children's lunch in the morning. And they're in high school. That is, that is ridiculous, but very sweet. It's very sweet. I mean, they are more than capable, uh, I guess. I mean, most of them would be more than capable of putting together a nutritious lunch. Thomas might struggle. <laughs> Esther might struggle. Zeke could have it down, right? Um, do I, where, where are I, my other kids? I may as well go through all of them. Anna needs help, that's for sure. She's in college. And Maggie could do it. She would, she would prefer certain things, though. And the, the veggies would not be there. And Ruth, we still have a little person in our house. 
which is so wonderful, and it's our little Ruthie, who just turned eight. Well, come on, I'm clinging, I'm clinging to something here. I'm getting old. 48, I mean, yeah. But, but th- think about the nourishment, the nurture, the, the constant care you receive uh, from your mother. Think, uh, think about all those moments, the, the tender compassion that your father didn't show you when you messed up your knee, right? When you cut it open, dad's like, get back in the game, rub some dirt on it. Mom's showing actual compassion, um, whether it's from a scraped knee or a broken heart. I think for a moment about the conversations and the prayers and the excitement that mothers show over your accomplishments. Right? Moms always put all the pictures on the fridge. Think for a moment about their constant protection of you, never losing sight of you when you're out and about. They're always vigilant, always know where their children are. Disobedience towards your mother children is doubly disgraceful because it's, it's stubbornness and rebellion in the face of tender, nurturing, feminine love. So it's like doubly bad. Right? Somebody who has, who, who has given of their body and somebody who has, um, has suffered uh, to, to live for you and you are rebelling against them. Sons, you must work hard to obey your mother. She is still your authority, sons. You like to test her limits. And there, there should come a point, uh, unless you're, you're raising mama's boys, which we don't want, there should come a point where the sons begin to, to want to individuate, is how I guess the psychologist would put it. You know, they want to um, be their own authority. But that does not release you from this command to obey your mother. You like to push your buttons. You like to assert yourself. You like to play the man. Um, God dislikes this attitude you have towards your mother. That is not well-pleasing to God. He tells you to obey your mother, and the commandment teaches you that your future depends upon it. Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. So what does that mean? Disobey your parents, and you should not expect that you will live long on this earth. You should not expect that it will go well with you. Right? If we flip that command around. Now, when are you to be obedient to your parents, children? Say it. In all things. That's how this passage puts it, right? In all things. 
I mean, that doesn't allow the mom to command anything, does it? No. She can't command you to do something that would violate God's word. But if it doesn't violate God's word and she commands you to do it, guess what? Do it. It's pretty simple. Do it. Even if it's not the thing you want to do at the moment, which seems to be all the time. Right? What is left out of all things? Nothing is left out. Now these days, parents have a tendency to plead with their children. To plead with their children rather than to command their children. Right? To negotiate with their children. To bribe their children even. If this, then that. If this, then I'll get you some strawberry milk which should motivate anybody to do anything. I mean, seriously, get some. It's really good. Um, but these days we have a tendency to plead or negotiate or bribe our children rather than command our children to ask nicely and then make uh, their case as to why a child should obey. Right? Children are viewed as colleagues to be persuaded. This is a faulty view of parenting and a faulty view of authority. Now, of course, that authority can be abused. I just mentioned that. But if a parent is commanding good things, biblical things, just generic things, make sure we have some toilet paper in the bathroom sorts of things, right? Things that may lead to your safety, your your get that out of your mouth, you're going to choke on that. Uh, and, and that lead to the child's wisdom and growth. And then the parent is using authority properly. Children, you are to worry about yourself, though, and the command here is to obey your parents in all things. Now, children, why? Why should you do this? Why should you obey your parents in all things? The verse gives us the answer. It's very simple. Because when you obey your parents in all things, that is well-pleasing to God. Is that, does that motivate you at all? Is that exciting to you? That God looks down upon you and, and mom tells you to fill, you know, make sure there's toilet paper in the room. And you say, yes, mom, and you do it. God is well-pleased with that obedience. God, God loves that kind of obedience. He's well pleased with you when you obey in that and obey cheerfully. God smiles on you when you obey your parents. Should that not motivate you? God is well pleased with you when you obey. You, of course, know that God the Father is a son. I mean, God the Father has a son, Jesus Christ. Jesus obeyed his Father in all things. John 14, 31 says, so that... The world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. That the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly what he commanded me. That holds true for you too. The world will know that you love God if you do exactly as your parents command you. It's amazing. Was God the Father well pleased in his son? Yes, God the Father spoke from heaven. Spoke from heaven to let everybody know that when Jesus was baptized. It's my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. 
And so you too have the opportunity to know that God is well pleased with you. You can know this if you commit yourself to obeying your mom and dad. That obedience is how you will show that you believe in Jesus, that you love God. Faith, faith is not just feelings, right? Faith is not just emotions and, and vibes. Faith is actually doing things. Faith leads to good works. Faith leads to actions. So show me your faith, not by talking about your feelings, but by respecting your, and honoring and obeying your parents. That's the way I'll see it, more than what you even say you're feeling at the moment, right? If you're obeying. Why? Because your flesh wants to do what it wants to do, and your parents want you to do something different, right? That's why obeying is difficult. You and your flesh want to do something different, and your parents are interrupting you and calling you to do something else. And so it's, it's difficult, but there is no better way for me to learn something about your love for God than how you respond to your parents' commands. That is your faith right now. That is your faith right now, especially you small ones, you little ones, you young ones, right? Show your faith in God by following your parents' commands. And then teenagers who have more options, who have more desires, who have more of this, um, who are closer to the time when they will be on their own and making their own uh, decisions and calling their own shots, right? They, you have, you have many desires and many options that may conflict with what your parents want for you right now. And so I guess you're exempt. You know, I guess you're exempt. You know, go, go and date that girl when you're 14 and have no intent to marry her. Go and do that. I mean, we can't command you. That's not true. You are in your father and mother's house. They are caring for you. They have wisdom of experience and years and many uh, heartache and heartaches and pain from the own sin, their own sins that they committed, perhaps against their own parents, or against themselves, or ultimately all against God. Right, and so you are not exempt from this command. It says the way to be well pleasing to God is to obey your parents. So, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. Be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. If I say it one more time, you'll have it memorized. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Can anybody say it? Children? Okay. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Think about that. Think on that. When you go to sleep tonight and you put your head on the pillow, meditate on that verse and reflect and examine yourself. Have I done this? Am I well-pleasing to the Lord or am I a stench to the Lord? Do I stink? Because I, I just, my stupid parents. 
you know? Parents are called to obey the Lord. They're not called to obey the things that you're feeling at the moment. They're called to obey the Lord and exhort you in accordance with the word of God and for your good. Now, fathers, an exhortation in verse 21, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. So that they will not lose heart. You need to discipline that, that guy over there. Um, the, word here, the word here, exasperate, means to stir up to anger. It is stir up to anger, to agitate. That's what it means. So fathers, do not stir up or agitate your children or provoke your children to anger so that they will not lose heart or become disheartened. Uh, first of all, then, I'll say that what this verse does not mean. Fathers, it does not mean that you should not discipline. That's not what this is saying. It just, he just got done, you know, telling, telling uh, you that as a father, you, your children should obey you and you have a role in that, obviously. And so to not exasperate, some would conclude just means, well, then the only way for me not to exasperate my children is just not to discipline them at all. Because every time I do it, they seem to be dis- disheartened. They seem to be lose heart. Um, all of us have seen our children get angry when we've disciplined them, right? If you have a child, you know that. We've seen them get angry when we discipline them, but we cannot abandon discipline when they respond poorly. And we cannot see all of their poor responses as us exasperating them, because sometimes it's just a simple command. The parallel passage in Ephesians makes this clear. It teaches us that rather than provoking them to anger, we are to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So clearly these verses do not mean jettison discipline. You are to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers are to discipline their children. Perhaps fathers are even to be the primary disciplinarians of their children. But certainly, they are to discipline their children. Hebrews 12 teaches us the great good of God's discipline and by extension the good of our earthly father's discipline. You remember this passage, right? It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. What is an implication of that verse? An implication of that verse is if you fathers are not disciplining your children, then they are, they are being treated as illegitimate children, as not your children, as not sons of you. That is very sad. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Now, that's tricky, isn't it? Was it ever just like, I mean, after you got disciplined by your father, were you ever like, man, I respect that guy? 
that, that was really helpful, and I feel like I'm on a better path, and boy, what a, what a father. No, it certainly is not like that when you're 13, right? It is not like that. Your father disciplines you, and that basically ruins your day. And then you begin to stab him in the face in your mind's eye. Yeah. You get very angry. And yet it says here in the word of God, we had earthly fathers discipline us and we respected them. Think about if your parents never disciplined you. You wouldn't even know they were a parent. You wouldn't even know you had a father. Because fatherhood is, is predicated on discipline. Right? You wouldn't even have a father. What you would have is somebody who lived in the same space as you and allowed you to make your own decisions and didn't matter if those decisions led to your death or destruction. It just lets you go your own way. And so there will come a time probably when you get married and have a child and bring the child home, suddenly you may respect your parents. It may not come until then, right? When you're holding a child and that child's growing up and you're like, how in the world do I get this child to stop crying? How in the world do I get this child to stop lying? Right, how in the world, what do I do? And then it's like, oh, okay. Here's what my dad used to do. Here's what my mom used to do. And we suddenly have all kinds of respect. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. Right? And that is all a father can do. We discipline for a short time as seems best to us. We try to do that in nurture and admonition of the Lord. We don't always succeed. We, we do uh, sometimes exasperate our children. But that is, but that is what, um, what we do. But God's discipline is, is always for our good. It's not what seems best, but it is good. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. God disciplines us so that we might be like him in sharing his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems to be joyful. No, not to be joyful but sorrowful, sorrowful, there we go. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So you see, fathers are to discipline, so the command to not provoke our children to anger does not mean throwing, throwing discipline out, throwing out correction, throwing out rebukes, right? Never, never spanking, Right? Our children may react with scowling, even anger for the moment, but looking at things with a much longer view, the discipline we bring to our children will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. We have to trust God in that. We have to have faith for that. God has said it, and we have to believe it. Isn't it interesting that it says peaceful fruit? The, the opposite of peace in, in some respects, is anger and hostility, isn't it? 
And our passage is telling fathers not to provoke their children to anger, not to exasperate them. So bringing all these things together, I want to tell you that the best way to avoid provoking your children to anger is to be consistent in your discipline. And that's the hardest, hardest thing to be, is to be consistent. Because no one wants to fight, no one wants to argue and fight with their own children. No one wants, no one, no father wants to go through that. It is excruciating to be at odds with your children. Right? But fathers, you must be consistent. Not only must fathers not give up discipline, but they must begin to view discipline of their children as the very thing that will keep a child from indulging in anger. Do you know angry children? Do you have an angry child in your house? Do you know peaceful children? Which ones have been disciplined consistently and by their fathers? I mean, you can, you can often tell a house that has no discipline because the children are, are not peaceful. They're out of sorts and angry, right? Because they, they're just left to their sinful nature. They're not getting any help from the, the two people that God has put there to direct them. And so they're just, they're lost, and they get angry. They get very angry. Fathers, we must have the right view of our children, and the fact of the matter is our children are fools. Is that what you expected me to say? I'll prove it from Scripture. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness, okay, they, they have foolishness in them. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child foolishness and so when you have to go and dis and sorry that is not that is not meant to be insulting children that is God's truth right it is written there foolishness is bound up in the heart of the children you should remember that and you should say maybe at the end of the day yeah I was foolish today dad you should remember that foolishness is bound in the bound up in the heart of the child and how does that verse end and the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Your, ch- your parents are trying to get the foolishness out of your heart by their discipline. Children are, children's hearts are wrapped up in foolishness. They need correction and discipline from their fathers. And without it, they will lead a fool's life. A fool's life filled with, with anger Eventually anger toward parents, but eventually anger toward God himself. If they have been not told, if they have been not been taught to obey their parents, they will not obey God and his word. Children know in their bones, though, that the discipline of parents is love. If you don't know that, I'm informing you today that their discipline is love. No discipline they also know means no love, no concern, no hope. And when discipline does not remove their foolishness, their self-centered view of the universe, then they become the fool. Notorious in scripture for discontentment, laziness, anger, blabbing of the mouth, and just general incorrigibleness. 
uncorrectableness. Now, fathers, there's another, I think, another important point to be made about exasperating our children. Without a doubt, allowing our children to remain in their foolishness and not bringing discipline will make them angry children. We are talking long-term anger here, not the sorrow and quick anger that comes when we, we have to discipline them or if they are younger when we spank them. That anger should also be worked through, um, so we must discipline in order to do our duty not to provoke our children to anger, but this discipline is not all no. It's not all no. Discipline is not all no. There's a positive aspect of discipline. Fathers, you must teach your children what it is we live for, what it is we love, what it is that thrills your soul, right? What blessings there are in our Heavenly Father. Is that what your children know of you, fathers? Or do they think of you as the man who is a workaholic who comes home tired and neglects them? Do they have no sense of what's going on in your head spiritually? No sense of, of, of how you struggled in your walk today and how you had to rely on the Lord? Do, they, do you ever let them in? Part of discipline is getting our children to love the standard that we love. To love the Lord, to love obedience to the Lord. And so part of it is, is showing them your own faithfulness and getting them to love that same standard. And if that standard comes from the word of God, all the more should our children love it, understanding that their conformity to it is well-pleasing to God. Uh, One pastor puts it this way, true discipline says no in a world full of yes. Right? A little bit of no and a full world of yes. Well, some of us have a tendency to focus only on the no. Right, Dion, children? Your father has a tendency to focus on the no. And that is wrong, right? There should be a world full of yes. Yes, this was good. Yes, this was right. Yes, go do that. Yes, you know, um, that was encouraging. Yes, I saw what you did. It was uh, in, in, in talking to somebody and building them up. Yes, 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 those things were good. Those are signs of, of your growth in the Lord. Praise God. And so the no's should then come along once in a while, and the yeses should be ever-present. It really should be. Some of us need to learn how to say no, uh, but more of us really need to learn how to say yes most of the time. Saying yes is much more than giving in every time your kids ask you to go to Dairy Queen. Right? It's much more... Than that, but you should say yes to that because after strawberry milk, you know, there's Dairy Queen, <laughs> there's blizzards. All right. What it means is is showing them what you delight in. And for Christians, the things we delight in is not the things of this world. I I grieve when you go to funerals. And they have caskets draped with the, with the college colors or like a University of Michigan flag. 
or something like that. That is so sad that that would be your final testimony to your children. I lived for a college athletic department at a school I never even went to. Wow, what, what, a, what a wonderful testimony, right? You've shown them that you've loved the things of the world, and you haven't shown them that God was your love. God was the center of your universe, right? It is God himself, it is the Lord Jesus Christ, it is the powerful Holy Spirit that you de- should delight in. And this aspect uh, that, that you show them this delight of fatherhood is based upon loyalty. Your loyalty to God, your fidelity to God, your fidelity to the word. If you do not ever show them your own loyalty to God and for righteousness and for his kingdom, they will have no desire themselves to be loyal to something they don't know about. They will find loyalty in someone else or something else. They will fill the voids with, in their lives with some other meaning other than God Almighty the one who will judge the living and the dead at the end of the ages. And how sad it is when we see our children filling their lives with meaning in something other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it boils down to this truth. As the father goes, so go the children. If, you're a, if you are loyal to money, If you're loyal to money, your children will be loyal to money. If you're loyal to your free time, right, the the weekend warrior, it's what your children will be. If you are loyal to God, your children will be loyal to God. There's that stat, if if a father goes to church, right, what is it? Like 93% of the time that a father goes to church, his whole family goes with him. Right, and and but it's not the same with a mother. If a mother goes to church, the children won't follow at that high of a rate for some reason. I don't know. I don't understand why. And statistics, you know, who knows? I mean, so forget that. <laughs> the posi- um but we want by our loyalty to God, by them seeing us always in the house of God. Coming on Sundays, coming on Sunday evenings. Whew. Talk about in a great place to show, show loyalty to God. It would be actually coming to the church building on Sunday nights. Right? Show them that. Um, I was listening to a sermon uh, that Jody Killingsworth preached last Sunday, and, um, and he said, one of his exhortations in the middle of it was, when you go on vacation, go to church. Why would you not? Why would you not be with the people of God? Go on vacation, find that church. It'll be hit or miss, trust me. But, but what you want to do is show your children, the Lord's day is the Lord's day. We serve God. We worship God. That's what we do. That's, that's us. This is a positive aspect of discipline. It's necessary for the growth of our children. This is why, um, as a pastor, when someone demonstrates to me that they're going to miss worship, just for, for 
strange reasons or just misworship at the drop of a hat, I begin to fear for their children. Because their children are being taught that this is optional. How could the worship of God for somebody who has the Holy Spirit be an optional thing? Or something that they could find 13 other things to prefer over it? It's mind-boggling. They are missing a huge opportunity to give a yes to their children. Another powerful way to give a yes to your children is to evangelize. To evangelize. To share the gospel to people you don't know. What power for our children to see us sitting in a coffee shop talking to strangers about Jesus while they're like, oh man. Or around the dinner table at home, right? Or in the checkout line at the grocery store. Or outside the abortion clinic when we're getting uh, spit in our faces by wicked women. Right? Have they seen you there? Have they seen your devotion to God? When they see that zeal and love, they are disciplined positively. They are given an an example to follow. They have something real, solid, and even risky to imitate, uh, to give their loyalty to, ultimately to the God you are serving. If our children only see our worry, only see our discontentment, our anger, and never see our joy... And our love and zeal are relaxing and trusting in Jesus Christ. Why would we expect that they won't be provoked to anger? They are only giving themselves to what they know and see exemplified before their eyes. And so, I mean, even as I say this, children, I say, Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. What a poor example of this I've been. A terrible example. I have provoked my children to anger. I have so provoked some of my children to anger that I have had to repent and apologize before the whole family. I have made my children so angry at times. And it was sin, and it was wrong. But I do hope that the children of my household and of your households have seen some sort of loyalty and devotion to God that they find commendable and desire to imitate. And, and we must work to give them that example. What's, what's the last verse in the, in the Old Testament? I think it's the last one. What's the last verse in the Old Testament? God will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. There is something so important about fathers having the hearts of their children. And we need to pray that fathers would have the hearts of their children, that the children would respect the fathers in particular. It says fathers there, right? And so uh, fathers... You know, we need to pray that our hearts go after our children and that then our children's hearts turn toward us. Because if it doesn't come, down goes America. Down goes the nation. Down goes this culture. 
And so, not much at stake in this. Not much at stake in your homes. Just the, the curse of God coming on your household in this land. And so, may God do that work between fathers and children in our congregation. May our hearts go toward one another and not be pushed apart by anger, by exasperation, by provocation. But may we, our children, imitate our love and faith of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity it, it, uh, in which it expresses these glorious truths. Father, I pray for our children that they would obey their parents in all things. And they would delight knowing that they are well-pleasing to you. I pray that they would crave that well done, good and faithful slave. And that they would be, they would love the Lord with all their heart, soul, strength and mind. And Father, I pray that the fathers of our church would not exasperate their children. But they would love them, that they would say yes to them, that they would encourage them, that they would build them up. Father, ends that they would say no and redirect. Father, I pray that you would give us patience when it comes to discipline, that we would not discipline quickly and leave out any stages of discipline. And so help us to be patient, help us to be uh, self-controlled, that we would not fly off the handle, Father, but that we would speak calmly and that your wisdom, the wisdom of the word of God, would inform those things that we command. The fact that that would be the whole of what we command is what we find in Scripture. Help us in this, Father. We have failed so many times, both as children and as mothers and fathers. So build us up by your spirit. Help us to obey these verses, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.